Today's show is sponsored by Stamps.com. Stop wasting time at the post office. Go to Stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and enter our code, BADCHRISTIAN, for a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. That's Stamps.com, promo code, BADCHRISTIAN. Toby, you want to do the next one? I sure do because hiring can feel like trying to find a needle in a haystack. But when you post a job on ZipRecruiter, their matching technology finds these qualified candidates for you and invites them to apply. So while other companies give you too many options, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. And right now you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash badchristian. And of course, as always, marriage supply. Marriage supply. Why do we do marriage supply? Well, first of all, we own it. Second of all, we believe that uh, having fun sex, experiment a little bit with your partner in your marriage, it's, it's a good thing. So why not try a toy? Why not We believe buy... in experimental fun sex. Is that a crime? Yeah. I mean, so uh, I'm 45. <laughs> I, things don't work as good as they used to. Can I have a, a vibrator? They are the best vibrators online, by the way. <laughs> MarriageSupply.com. Go there right now. Spice it up. You don't even, you don't have to be married. I ain't going to judge you. If you want to buy a, a massive vibrator, dildo, whatever, uh, cock ring, uh, what else we got? You know, lubes, massage oils. We got, we got a lot of stuff. Too much to name over there. So ain't no judgment. If you want to buy a product, come visit me. At what URL? MarriageSupply.com. Great. Um, now, I own a uh, adult toy, toy store. <laughs> uh, I do podcasting. I'm a emo singer, and um, I rode out to Devon's town uh, last week, uh, helping him do something. And uh, I wrote in Monticello where he lives. There's a hotel there, and I looked at that hotel and I said to myself, "You know what? It would be pretty cool if I just..." What if I walked away from all of it and I just worked second shift at that hotel at the front desk? <laughs> I promise. And I just let my mind run with that. I was like, I wonder how much I could make. Maybe maybe as a night shift manager or something, maybe make $40,000 a year in Monticello. Maybe that much. I was thinking 40, maybe 50, something like that. I was like, in Monticello, although Monticello is a little bit more expensive, actually, it's still pretty cheap to live there. And I was like, maybe you could just get a small house and, you know, and I could just work second shift, and it would just be no pressure, or yeah. I would need no more. Like sometimes I feel overwhelmed by how much I have to create. Like I think, yeah. oh, I, that because that's the number one thing I can do. So thank God I can. That's about the only thing I can do uh, that's valuable. But 
and I was just like, you just wouldn't have to. I know there'd be uh, angry, you know, uh, person come down their room, their bed's messed up, or there's a fly in their room. You know, there'd be. You'd have pe- a cohesive universe, though. Yes. that you could manage. Yeah, and in my world, I can make my world really small. All yeah. I do is go there. I work till six or seven in the morning, then I come home, sleep. <laughs> you know, pick the kids up from school, see them for a bit, go into work later that night. You know, and I, I was like, that would be. What if I could make my world? Because I've been really thinking. Maybe making your world smaller is the only way to have better mental health. I, you know, I was really thinking something similar to that. And I was, uh, I wrote down a note in my thing that said that, um, that you basically, that's what happens when you get your mind blown. I wrote down mind blow, mind blow job. I wanted hell yeah. The concept marriagesupply.com. Yeah, when somebody gives your mind a blow job, you say, "Oh, my mind is blown." Right. You know? Like that. That's only fun because you think you can put it back together and make sense out of it and move forward. Right. But if you can't, then it's like you're over, and then you just have to like intellectually, you're over, and you just need a simpler story to live in. Right. right? Yes. Because the smartest people in the world, maybe their minds aren't blown yet, but eventually there'll be knowledge above what we can understand. Our right. mind will be blown, except for it'll be sad because it's really actually permanently blown, meaning you can't handle it from here out. Right. So you can get your mind blown. It's like a blowjob for your mind. And also, the emoji is like jizz shooting out of your head, you know? Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you get your mind, when your mind's blown, it's like, you shoot your mental load or something. Oh, it's like a, man. You know, people say they love getting their mind blown, but I think right. in the end, <laughs> that's not, you don't really want that. It's like a, more of like a, a honeybee stinger. Once it's gone, it's gone. And that's then you have it. to like, you know, watch Fox News only or join a little cult <laughs> right. or manage a hotel in Monticello. That's, that's after the, the regular world goes past you. I know. So that's, but, what you're, that's what you're flirting with here because if it keeps on going, why not you just choose this simpler non-mind-blowing life? Well, Instead of the one of some creator. <laughs> well, from for most of my adult life, for, for my whole career now, uh, if I feel like when people talk about me, they say, "Oh, well, that's Toby from," uh-huh. like you know what I mean? Like I, that's Toby from Emory. That's In that's Toby motel. from Bad Christian. That's like, you know, like it's not. That's just Toby. You know what I mean? Like like if I lived in a real small town, I might could get back to. Well, that's just Toby. Yeah. Oh yeah, he works over there. That. It wouldn't be no, Toby, be from, Toby from America's Best in Monticello. No, no, no. <laughs> it, it, it's Best Western, by the way. But uh, it it would be it, he. I work over there, but I'm not from that job. That's not the thing that yeah. like I created or did or anything like that. It's the same as anybody else. Oh yeah, you know he works over at the. But I could just and I'm just my world would get a little bit smaller, and people would just know me. Just because of merits of my personality, and they like me or what you know. I, I'm I'm just saying that. Small, that's why I don't know how you can really be famous. Like it was funny. I was li- I've been listening to a lot of Mark Marin again, WTF, and I went back and listened to the one he had on Brad Pitt and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio because uh, they were on promoting um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So this is probably two years ago or close to it. And um, he he says, "Man, these guys, you know, how he talks. He goes, these guys. What can I say? He says that they they're just movie stars." It's just what they are. They're movie stars. And when it, he interviews them, I was, that's, that's all I could think of. I was like, yes, that like they aren't just oh Brad. He can never. Yeah. I don't think he can be Brad. No. Even in like his just in his head or any in any relationship, he can only be Brad Pitt. 
You know what I mean? That's all it could be. And, and so I was like, man, it's so crazy. Like you get to a certain, I mean, yours and my fame is like nothing. It is not, thank God. I, I, would, I would take more as, as soon as I could because it's just so syrupy sweet. I, fame, money, all that stuff. You would take it if you can get it. But I'm glad if uh, God hasn't let me have it because I would just be, not, I, don't, I don't know if I'd be something. much. I, I wouldn't have much substance. Not that they don't, they, they handle it well. Maybe they can handle it and I can't. You, you know might be one of those candidates for, like, you meet a sensei somewhere and say, oh, master, what is the way? And he goes, oh, you wash the bowls and work in the field. Yeah. Like, and you just go, ah, the secret is to plow the field. You know, yeah. something like, you're probably a candidate for one well, of those. Well, it's awakens. not a coincidence. I told, I've always said my number one job would be lawn maintenance. If yeah. I could just get on, I, saw, I promise you, I saw I saw a guy cutting grass the other day. I was like, man, God, he just got it good. It just, I was like, that's so neat. He's just out there cutting the grass, and, and it'll look good as soon as he's done, and that will be the end of that job, and he'll move on to the next one. Now, he would, That's a way to be more, pre- I mean, to in, like, to you know, there's a way to have that. You could be way more engaged in that life than a Twitter platform life. Good Lord. Right. Like, you know, there's got to be, I mean, that has to be obvious to everybody that, there's some ways of living that are really bad for you. Right, that have to do with being out of alignment with something somehow like that. Well, it's now obviously true. Here's my new thought too, because I, I, I watch enough TikTok to know. You know how child actors, most of them end up kind of is rough because they had their mm-hmm. one shot and they got famous. They were on this one sitcom and then they got older and nobody like uh they they said uh Jonathan Taylor Thomas. You remember him from uh yeah. what, what was that I'm gonna show? let Jameson in. You keep talking. Yeah. Um, what show is John Home Improvement? Home Improvement. He's on Home Improvement. They showed a picture of him, and he just looked like an older man. And he, uh, I mean, he looked like he's just a man in his thirties. That was he, the littlest boy on Home Improvement. He was the, the middle kid. No, the middle one that was a he heartthrob. Was the, yeah, he was yeah. the heartthrob yeah. for yeah. a little while, right? Yeah. And they said they hadn't. That was the first time they've even taken a picture of him in like a decade. <laughs> like, <laughs> and paparazzi hadn't seen him or he, like almost, you know, like he's just done the littlest bit here and there. Jameson, we're talking about. Uh, TikToks and Jonathan Taylor Thomas, but I was thinking, I was thinking about TikToks that you can get a humongous viral TikTok, right? But nobody knows you, so like, there's going to be a bunch of people, kind of like a child actor, where they get this fame and maybe a, there's a sponsor for a minute, and then it just immediately goes away. Like yeah. you, like you know, they, they said 15 minutes of fame. That, there's not 15 minutes of fame now. It's like a minute. Or less. One, it's now. a single post. Yeah, yeah. It's like this yeah, one yeah. thing, and and you go, oh, oh, this could be. Uh, now I have all these followers, but none of them know you. They don't even know your name. You know how many viral yeah. TikToks I've seen, and I couldn't tell you one person's name, not yeah, a that, single yeah. person. And I, I mean, I know some people know them, but I, but I mean, it goes away quick. I mean, you might have to parlay it into something or do something crazy. Maybe you know there'll be a few that get lucky, but there's going to be more and more people that get one minute of fame. And then what happens then to your it's mental not, health? The, all you got to do is be prepared before your 15 minutes or single post comes. You have to already have your whole OnlyFans laid out. Yeah. That way you can put your OnlyFans <laughs> link whenever your moment yep. comes and you can be able to capture some revenue um, when your moment comes. So that's the kind of thing. It's like instead of like a college fund for your kids, you need to get with them on their plan for OnlyFans. Right. For when they get, finally go viral. I mean, that, you know what's crazy? We were just talking about Brad Pitt. Imagine if he said, I'm going to do a OnlyFans. <laughs> and he just he gave it all to charity. You know how much money? It'd probably be the most, it'd be the most charity, ever, I right? There's yeah. a, uh, some workout guy. He was talking about, uh, he's a trainer or whatever. And he said, uh, what was it? No matter what, anytime somebody, y'all see that? No matter what, anybody comes to him and says, uh, 
I want to look like he goes, don't even tell me. And it's always Brad Pitt from Fight Club. That's yep. the body that, that is the perfect body you could ever have. That's what every man wants to be is Brad Pitt from Fight Club. Wow. And I mean, every single time. Like when he trains movie stars, they go, I want to look like, and he goes, yep. I know. That's the one. I know who it is. And it's I mean, he's just archetype. And the guy, and the yeah. guy has to tell him. He goes, "I, you're gonna look good. You will not look like that. You, you, <laughs> not, not at all. You know what I mean? Like Chris Pratt. All of they'll work their asses off. They'll get shredded. All the, they will not look like that. He just got it all. He has yeah. all of it. I mean, it's unbelievable. And I mean, so and that. So going back to even talking about them, it was so funny listening to. They just are movie stars. They just. They just are. They're, they're, Special beings. I mean, it's it's just they just rose because they were. That's what they were. Even like Quentin Tarantino, listening to him talk on like Joe Rogan or something. I was like, he, of course, he was just going to make it. You know, he talked about in his twenties that he worked at a video store and he just you know struggled and all that. But he was just going to get there. It just some people they just will. There's just no stopping it. Musicians, you know, they're just going to hit. It, it, that, yeah. It's not even necessarily just talent. It's like. It's just their aura, their being. They're, they they will it. They go, They just do it. All right. Pardon the interruption, but I'm going to tell you about ZipRecruiter here just for a minute. And that's because it's important, especially if you're a business owner, especially if you're a business owner who's hiring because you probably face a lot of challenges when it comes to finding the right person for your role. Uh, I mean, I think traditionally people feel like there's not enough applicants that have the right skills and experience. But also, I think there's a problem these days with too many resumes to sort through. But yet, like, you need people. You need people right away because time is money. Time is rolling on. Money is going out the door. And you don't want to look through all those resumes and do all that homework because, you know, they probably aren't sorted that well, and probably too many applicants. Maybe you just don't even know where to post the job to reach the right people. Whatever it is, that's why hiring can fit, try, feel like trying to find a needle in a haystack. And sure, you can post it on some job board, but then all you can do is hope that the right person comes along. Uh, no good. So that's why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash badchristian. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over 100 top job sites with one click. But then ZipRecruiter's matching technology finds people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. So it works so well that, in fact, ZipRecruiter gets four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter, they get a quality candidate within the very first day. So that could speed things up considerably for your old process. Maybe it's a little outdated. So it's no wonder over 2.3 million businesses have come to trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. So while other companies overwhelm you with way too many options, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for, the needle in the haystack. And right now you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash badchristian. Once again, remember to go to this unique place, ZipRecruiter.com slash B-A-D-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N, ZipRecruiter, smartest way to hire. Jameson, what's going on, my man? <laughs> Spe- speaking of charisma and a body like Brad Pitt. Right. Oh, that's right. <laughs> show up. Both those things. I saw that picture of Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Like, I got roped into, like, the clickbait thing on Google. Yep. And I, I really did spend a few, like, probably 30 seconds, like, no, that's not him. I know. No. <laughs> yeah. exactly like, what I that, that can't be the heartthrob of my entire generation now. <laughs> I mean, he was so, really important for a while. 
I mean, he just won. Was? I mean, that show was massive. He was important. I mean, you know, uh, it's younger than me, but I still was like, oh, I know who that is. And I thought, well, he's going to be, you know, wait till you see the movies he does and what he'll end up right. doing. He's the star of the show and, a, and it, with the most potential or something. Like that. And then he just, just kind of yeah. faded. And then kind of, I think he directed stuff for a long time, but that's, yeah. I always feel like that's like the cop out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're really talented, you'd keep being the star of movies. Right. Yeah. Right. 100%. <laughs> So, Jameson, you've lived a whole life of uh, something like pop culture, except for, I mean, it's like indie pop culture in a way. But <laughs> it seems like you've probably always been interested in things like the culture itself. Is that's a, kind of the way I read you? Yeah, I would say so. I think, uh, and it's funny to think now because I, I think, and maybe you guys agree, but we still think of like the music scene that you guys came up in and emo and all that as like a small market thing or like a niche thing, but it's there's so much there's so many people in it so i don't i don't know where it falls in the you know the average person doesn't know who chris caraba is but there's still millions and millions of people who do right mm-hmm. so i don't yeah i feel like pop culture yes but is it you know is it home improvement no no <laughs> no but it's bit, i think that's one of the interesting stories about the one of the ways that i see the landscape is that the the rise of like alternative culture starting with nirvana and that made like something about that showed our generation that you there's other possible ways other than the mainstream so then after that one half generation later you have this indie rock thing going on and it's like not major labels and it's like automatically attractive and there's a community around it but it still behaves and is able to interact with pop culture you know Mm -hmm. like and like get at it with small teams of underground things and still then you know chris caraba pokes through to the mainstream he's a mainstream idea now basically so like how far off is chris caraba than brad pitt as a some cultural archetype is same. Yeah. It's not the same level, but it's the same type of thing. Right. I think He's so. Just some, some kid, you know? Yeah. And like, I think as small as I can think a band like dashboard is, then you see videos of Taylor Swift, you know, talking about how influential Chris was to her and how that's all she listened to her and her friends listened to in high school. And yeah, you just think, well, I, I like Taylor Swift fine, but I think Chris is a lot more talented. <laughs> so you think, well, why didn't why didn't he break the way that she did? You know, obviously there's a lot to that, but these these bands that influence A listers are still and some of them, you know, still play in tiny clubs. So where where's the disconnect there? Yeah. And so you've been doing publicity then for how long? How how old are you and how long have you been doing publicity total? Uh thirty-five. I started doing publicity stuff probably around twenty-four, twenty-five, after doing a ton of like music journalism stuff off and on for years. Music journalism. That's the way that you that you got I mean, you know, I'm looking to go all the way back to the beginning of sure. when did you identify what the thing I really like about it is you put it in <clears throat> in your blurb for your book. I don't know if it's the exact word, but something like self doubting uh rock journalist begging <laughs> to belong. I think that is just such a cool like resonant point of view that it speaks something to um, what, I mean, I'm not trying to paint journalism in a broad way. I'm just saying like, that's an archetype in itself is a, mm-hmm. like a, like, like an almost famous or something. It says it's somebody that's unselfsure trying to be included. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm curious why you chose that language and what that, you know, what was that like for you? How did you get yeah. there? Yeah. And I mean, I think anyone that does any sort of, music journalism, like almost famous is always that like totem. That's, that's like the touch point for everything. Everyone wants to be that guy. 
or I've heard people say like, oh, don't, you know, like that's, that's all people think we are. Like, don't bring up almost famous because that's, I don't know, it's too, too small or something. I don't know. I, I always thought that was silly, but um, the, the like belonging part, I think was that I knew I had a really, really like obsessive um, personality for music early on. And I just very quickly knew I wasn't going to be able to play something or sing something. And so I think that the belonging part was more of like, how can I get as close to this as possible without actually doing the thing? <laughs> but how do you know, though, so early to not try <laughs> to make this thing, though? Yeah, well, I, th- I mean, uh, looking back, it was more like getting a, a guitar several times and being like, this is the time. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to do it this time. And for one, just not being interested in that, in the mechanics of that. Uh, and then I, I just think we remember going to my mom one of the times and just being like, my hands just aren't big enough, like game over. If my hands aren't big enough, I can't even do it, <laughs> which of course is I'm sure very silly. But I, I just thought if, if I can serve music in any way, this isn't going to be it. It's now, not going to be making it for but, sure. But also were you thinking from like the Christian perspective, like you were like, were you thinking just mm-hmm. Christian artists, Christian, like what, like your faith in, influenced who you work with? Or? Yeah. Starting out for sure. Starting out, it would have been like, you know, I distinctly remember listening to Jesus Freak every morning before school and be like, this is, this is the hardest music I have so ever heavy. heard. Yeah, this is the heaviest, you know, not even knowing that like heavy music existed other than Nirvana or something. But uh, yeah, that was my first instinct of like, you can be Christian and rock this hard. Right. <laughs> like, I'm in. <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. The, uh, just so if everybody doesn't, I, mean, I don't know if we said it, or we'll put it in the notes and everything, but the book is called Name Dropping, which I think is just cool because, I mean, you know, you, you the, the, the your self-deprecating way of telling stories and doing things is so cool. It's resonant with BC, obviously, anyway. But just to call it name dropping, it's like, isn't that what publicity is? And you're just naming it as such. Like, yeah. and you, you just said that you're an insecure kid who wants to belong and be around <laughs> the powerful thing. And then it's name dropping. But that is, you're just kind of calling out what these, you know, in, early impulses we have for stuff. And then eventually you refine it and you do it for 20 years and you learn how to do it. And yeah. you know what I mean? But it really does. I mean, like, it really gets at the youth qualities and almost the immaturity like on the surface of it is kind of I, I really yeah. like that approach oh, I'm glad you said that because I, I think the name changed halfway through because I, I felt like man this book is like one big brag like in my mind like uh-huh. no knowing not everyone knows who you know dashboard or get up kids like some of these bands are but I knew that amongst my friends I couldn't stop myself from being like oh I was interviewing this person the other night and you know they had this thing and you could see like after a while the look on their face is just like yeah yeah we know yeah, it's hard not to name drop when it's yeah. very, you know, like how, because when you're talking to somebody and you have good stories and experiences that you know they would react to, right? How, how why would you withhold them? Yeah, so I, th- I think but it's then you're a name dropper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was getting ahead of the joke, though. I think yeah. too. I was like, oh, this, you know, if someone's just like, cool, it's just a ton of names and no real story behind it, then then great. Yeah, I'm name dropping, fine. But publicity, <laughs> too, has a bad reputation overall for being slimy. You know what I mean? So it's neat oh, yeah. to, to go at it with an honest approach. Yeah, I mean, I, I did it for you guys for a couple of your bands yeah. for a little while. And uh, it, those, I mean, in, in one way, I mean, those were my favorite things to do because it was full circle stuff for me of being into Emory and As Cities Burn and Classic Prime for so many years. Uh, but at the same time, I just learned so much about like, man, people really don't, give a shit a lot of them don't or like just because i now have a name that i think is really big doesn't open every single door right for me you know that, i didn't get to say because i had emory hey you guys want to cover this also small band that i have like it didn't 
didn't work out that way. <laughs> yeah, publicity is so hard too because, like, it, it, as it, just having you know my personal experience with it. Uh, your record comes out, you know, it, it, we th- it's selling good on stuff. We think, oh man, everybody will want to interview us. And then you find, well, do they, or you got to do some of them that, you know, you'll, you'll end up in mm-hmm. one that's like, you think it's going to be good. And then all of a sudden it's just a, like a college kid or something yep. for their, their local paper. You didn't know, you know, and you want to treat them nice, but you're like, oh, this is, who's, will anybody even know what I'm doing yeah. here? You know, and then it's, uh, the next week it might be something big, you know, it might be AP magazine or something like that. Oh yeah. It's, and it, that's the thing is I have, you know, a giant list of these outlets and stuff that I want to pitch things that I'm doing or that my bands are doing too, but you're right. You might get a kid with a blog and there's part of me that wants to help that kid out too right. and give, give them a cool thing and a cool story. But yeah, if I'm telling, Hey Toby, can you wake up at 7am tomorrow and do this interview for me for this college paper? Like, yeah, I mean, that's, it's also not serving you as a yeah. band that I, I, I want to, to make happy. <laughs> no, talk. Matt, do you remember, uh, I, gosh, it was early on in our career, somebody wanted to interview us and they came on the back of the bus and it was, it was the, gosh, what, what was it? It was, it was like a really young kid, like 16 years old. And we, halfway through the interview, realized that he just had was like kind of coming up with some questions because he just was wanting to hang out. Yeah. <laughs> we oh, thought it was no. like a real yeah. interview, got him a press pass and all this stuff. And he had a kid. tape recorder or yeah. something, but it was almost <laughs> like he, he my, it was like he felt halfway through exposed, like I knew this wasn't going to work. Yeah. <laughs> <that's>, uh, <laughs> like, is, what were we going to do? Can't you know, get me scream at him or something? It was like, okay, yeah. You know. There was uh, an interview that I, I early on did with you guys uh, before I, did any VC stuff where I had a photographer or I had a videographer with me and I didn't catch this at the time, but I, you know, said hi to you guys. We kind of knew each other's acquaintances and Justin, the guy that I was with, he called, he called Matt, he called you Toby and called Toby Matt on accident. And I didn't catch it at all. You guys, you guys caught it apparently. And the whole interview, every time you refer to each other, we refer to each other to play <laughs> yeah. along. Yeah. That's the yeah. kind of thing you do in those interviews. Yeah. Cause why I, not? There's a, another phenomenon that's I always found very weird is when you have to do interviews that are press, especially if they're stiff, like mm-hmm. whatever makes interviews stiff. Um, the more band members that you collect, the worse it gets. Oh, so, yeah. You know, like you can get – I've had great conversations where I made it great with a bad interviewer one-on-one where I could like connect with them and just like deliver something mm-hmm. or like take it to a good level with a good attitude. But I can't do that in front of my mates. So all you can do is yeah. kind of play with it and keep it light. And if somebody's going to do something like Miss Call Me or Toby, yeah, we'll just – we'll put on these characters and play along with the wrong yeah. thing the whole interview. I mean, it's the only way to have fun with it. Right. <laughs> Well, and even when I was young, I mean, I would have rather, I would rather have that than just short answers or like, clearly this person doesn't want to be here. So let's just call it a day. Which yeah, I, some, you know, yeah, that too. yeah. And sometimes you're in something and you don't want to be mean. Like you have to like, you know, cause you don't really want to make somebody feel humiliated if you think their questions are silly, if you can't get a good yeah. feeling going. And I, I know that from <laughs> podcasting too. Sometimes you're just uh, like, man, this didn't start good. How's it going to be better in 45 minutes from now? I, I realize I realize that if the interview is not going well, I do that Michael Scott thing where I'll just start talking and I'm finding myself along the way of where to find yeah, right. the question at the end of it. Yeah. My yeah. Uh, go-to used to be when we did radio interviews and it, everybody would be so nervous because uh, we'd have a bunch of people on the bus or whatever. I do a radio interview. They call in and you're live on the air, but I would, uh, I would talk and ha- halfway – 
through, I'd kind of end with it, but I'd mute myself. So they'd say, so man, your music's so great. Where do you find your inspiration from? And I'd go, well, you know, oftentimes I think it just kind of comes deep from deep inside, you know, and just personal experiences. And then I'd hit mute and go, and also, you know, like I, I think masturbating 10 times a day and then, uh, you, know, do, you know, I'd say all this crazy stuff. Yeah. And, but everybody around me thought, oh my God, he just said this on like, you know, some Christian radio, air, you know, <laughs> Dove, Dove Award radio channel or something. And, and But I used to love that. And they, it was so, everybody was yeah. so nervous. And then I never got caught, but there was one time where I said something, I forget what it was. And the person goes, what? And I was like, uh-oh. And I was like, uh, and the, but it, I had muted it, but it was that close. They just thought uh, they they knew something was up. And I was like, "Oh crap!" So that kind of got a little scared after that. But. Yeah, Toby will play fast and loose with a mute button on a speaker call on live yeah. radio. Would like you know finish the question, say so. Yeah, and that's the answer to that. And then hit mute, say you fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and then oh, and it's like it's really slick, and it makes the you know anybody, and we're all watching. It's just like it is so intense. I would have, I would never have the balls to do. I would be like, nope, I didn't no, hit the I, button. Yeah. I don't know anybody else that would do that other than Toby at all. Oh yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> I, I, really, I really don't. I had an interview. I don't think I talked about this in the book, but you guys know the show Workaholics. Yeah. 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 Uh, so back in probably like 2014, I I can't believe they said yes. They said yes to an interview for a magazine I was working at. And uh, yeah, I was like, oh, you know, any, any of the three would be so cool. That'd be such a cool thing to do. And they're like, well, they only do interviews, all three of them. Like they won't, <laughs> they won't split up. Oh, yeah. Wow. And I was like, I was like, cool, but all right, let's see how this goes. And so of course you're already talking to comedians uh, that you're like out, totally outmatched by. And then there's three of them. And though, yeah. So it, it, it's, I think it turned out fine, but I went back and found the recording and it's, it's just me trying to like, trying to jump in and <laughs> trying to make yeah. jokes and, like, oh, I shouldn't have tried to be funny. Why would I try to be funny to professional people? So dumb. <laughs> yeah. It's astonishing sometimes if you're on the doing the interview part. You know, and maybe just so many bad experiences made me not feel so stupid about doing interviews. But, I mean, we've done, I've done so many things in podcasts that I just yeah. – it's just completely embarrassing that I did it, that I said that, that it's out there, it's still out there, just – you know, yeah. it's just something you have to live with. But I just figured in podcasting, you get so much. It's just so many hours and reps that it doesn't feel that crazy. Yeah. Um, and it's you, just to get better at it, but I don't know. But, I, I mean, you you guys are so, so good at this. But, like, I found still with podcasting, I get more nervous if it's somebody I know because I because at any moment I feel like they're going to be like, why are you talking like that? What are you doing? Well, that's the trick. I mean, that you know, I, I called you earlier today so I can make sure that I know what it sounds like when our voices, I hear them together because it would be easier tonight. So, I, you know what I mean? It's just like I got more and more into the preparation mm -hmm. for it as like a, it's more of a mental prep than writing questions down or something like that. It's like when the podcast starts, sure. we have to have a good wavelength rolling. Period. Or it's going to be so hard to pull yeah. from uphill. And, you know, you start where you over-prepare, and then that goes bad. And then how long? Do you, how many times do you have to get kicked in the ass for over-preparing and sounding all technical and not getting to the stuff you wanted to get to? And how many times when you think the person is going to understand where you're coming from and they don't at all and they treat you right. like you don't know what you're talking about or they don't or they or you're just you know and you go oh my gosh and stuff. So you know the more it gets to where you just you have to select for conversations that you can have a good rapport on, regardless of it's a big name yeah. or whatever. I mean, and there's still I still don't know how to do it right. I st I just always know when it's wrong, which is still about 45% yeah. of the time. Well, I'm curious for both of you guys now that you're, I mean, you, you were and have been interviewed for years and now you are the interviewers and that's been the last however long. Like I was telling Toby, I was telling Matt earlier that I know that if I'm on a podcast as a guest and they're lagging at all, 
like I switch gears to being the interviewer yeah. And, yeah. and start yeah. asking, either start asking questions or just filling in these silent gaps, even if they're 10, you know, two seconds. But do you guys feel like you have, do you, have you changed how you get interviewed now? If that makes sense. Yeah. I feel like I have to carry it because I think too, because I, we've done so many hours now of podcasting and interviewing that it feels like, Oh, well, this is, will reflect on me. If this is, if, if it's uncomfortable or mm-hmm. it's not that good, then that means uh, oftentimes people go, well, the guest wasn't that good or something. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, yeah. so I think of that, I think of it that through that lens of, wait a yeah, minute, if I'm more true, funny really or I'll, or if I'll switch into interviewing them or, you know, mm-hmm. wait, so you guys, how long have you been doing this, this podcast? And then, you know, it, that, that yeah. happens a lot. Cause I mean, there's a billion podcasts now. In fact, probably with publicity that probably, like probably during your career, I was going to ask you that it moved probably from print to all digital and audio. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's 99% podcast now, like even sending out press for this book. I feel like I've, I've done a handful of podcasts and have a handful coming up. And then I was like, Oh, I, I need to you know pay attention to, to print and to online. And I just feel like I, I don't get as much response back. I don't know if there's, if there's just not as much or the podcast medium is just like, why read something? when I can listen in the car, half right. listen in the car, you know? Right. 100%. No, I, it's, and it's tough because like you said, there are so many podcasts. So it, it, it does go back to that original problem of, is this a kid, you know, mm-hmm. in his bedroom with 10 listeners or not? And right. you can't, you, uh, you can gauge, of course, by like, does this look professional? Who are their guests that they're getting? But you never know numbers or anything either. It could be a kid in his bedroom who gets a hundred thousand hits an episode. You don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah, you never do know. And you're right. It's hard to talk to people, you know, sometimes because sometimes you go, Oh, I know this guy. We fucking talk. This right. is going to yeah. be great. And then they go, uh, and then they go, I'm on a podcast. Now. Right. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. We're in trouble now. Yeah. Welcome back. <laughs> yeah, like if, if they start answering weird right away, it's like, wait, but I know this person. Yeah. So it's even weirder that we're talking weird to each other. That if yeah. you can't, if you can't establish your normal tone, then it's like, if it's a stranger, at least you don't have to pretend like, at least, you know, you don't know them. So it makes right. sense to try to get to know them over the course of the interview but it's your friend and you and your friend both sound uncomfortable together that's yeah. there's no excuse for that yeah well I, I think i've taken a lot of cues from you guys where i think a big theme of you guys in general but of the podcast is that there isn't really stuff that's off limits i mean maybe if there's some guest that you right. know kind of has some controversy you'll talk beforehand or whatever but for the most part i feel like there isn't stuff that's off limits so it's just, it's, it's just so much more freeing. I mean, I, I've been told many times, Hey, yeah, you can have this guest on or you can interview this person. Uh, here's three things. Do not mention, do not talk about his ex-wife. And you're like, I don't even yeah. know about that. I don't care. Right. Well, podcast kind of cut that a little bit down because if you were talking to a regular press outlet, that makes more sense of why you got to watch out because they do weird yeah. shit to the, the way they frame what you say. I mean, yeah. or cut out or deliver it. Or if they give a bad interview to you and ask you an awkward question about something you weren't prepared to talk about, then it just looks, you look so bad if they're bad that, yeah. you, you know, you can understand why in those kinds of things, sometimes people say, we don't want to talk about, and, you know, they can do that to us sometimes. They give us like, ask these questions. Like, well, I guess some, maybe a couple right. of those are good, but that feels kind of weird when I was, you know, con- so podcast is intended to get past that. Yeah, you know, to where you can get to that moment in every podcast that's you've ever heard that was good, where you're like, I didn't know if they would go there, but they did. Like, yeah. there's a moment where you go, Are they going to let this go? Or is, I know that 
I know he wants to ask another question. Yeah. Is he going to? And then do you? And then what happens yeah. next? Like that, that excitement in podcast is, uh, and it's hard to, you know, that's the it, hard it, part about I mean, it. It's designed to get around that, but it slips back into professionalism and then that's not good. Right. Well, the same as uh, moving from, you know, physical to digital. I mean, it used to matter, mm -hmm. you know, the magazines on the end cap or whatever, and then you were in it, you know, oh, here we are. They did a review of us and all that stuff. Um, the same thing, people don't want to talk as much like you were saying, Matt, because like it, Me Too happened and cancel culture, whatever, how you want to call that, happened. And people now are very afraid to say anything because, no, or terrible. they don't want to talk about it because they need to disappear for a little while. I mean, especially like with, with bands and stuff. Band, you know, I mean, there's a band dudes have, you know, they're, there's some just, people just laying disappeared. Low. <laughs> they're laying low until maybe yeah, they can yeah, come back no in a doubt. while. No and I'm sure they won't let you ask any questions about that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Oh yeah. Uh, Chris from saves the day was, uh, 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 yeah. uh, uh, uh Brand new lead singer. I haven't heard from him. I mean, brand new was being hyped as America's Radiohead for a little bit. <laughs> and oh yeah. Now that they're gone. A, that was a really shocking and sad one. Maybe not shocking. Apparently, it shouldn't have been shocking, yeah, but a sad one. It can't be shocking. I mean, no, no. <laughs> but I mean, that, I hate to say that. Yeah, but, <laughs> I, but I'm just saying. So that those folks at, uh, don't even want to do much publicity at all, right? I mean, they just you just stay away. Yeah. You can't. They won't oh. answer anything outside of just the straight answers i guess have you not always found musicians to be particularly bad at this though like as, as a group i find musicians to be about the worst as any group on podcasts they ever get interviewed yeah or, you know like that it's something wrong yeah. with most musicians though i think it's i think it's getting better because the medium is taking over so much uh i i mean i remember doing print interviews over the phone you know over the phone that ended up being print where that was one sentence i don't know if you guys remember the band before their eyes uh, Nick Moore, who now does In Vogue Records, but he was their singer, and I very early on I remember interviewing him, and and he, just one sentence for each thing, and it was you know, like, yeah, like I mean, answers like, yeah, that is cool, like, and no, <laughs> oh, God, yeah, that's the word, yeah, and being like, what do, do we put this on our site? Like, what do you, what do we do? You know, like, there's there's still a publicist. It's like, hey, can you get that article going? Yeah. It's like, well, your client sucks. So there's lots of <laughs> lots of stop signs there, but I I think it's getting a lot a lot better there's something about the people way people treat musicians where they give them too much respect i mean i'm sure that musicians get too much respect that's my point of view they mm -hmm. get something more like worshiped and that just doesn't and then they just think they don't have to carry the it's like as if they don't have to be entertaining in the conversation they're just well i'm sure everybody wants to hang on every word i say so i'll just yep. give a half non-answer and everybody will love it Oh That's yeah, what it always sounds like when musicians talk to me. And I, I think I've had this conversation with you, Matt, where it's like it doesn't take it doesn't take much from a musician or from whoever you're interviewing to get back to the interviewer to make them really happy. And yeah. and kind of like yes. a, yeah, and like a, I, I've done interviews with bands where I got assigned it and it wasn't a band I cared about or knew much about. It was just a work assignment, and then they were so great that it was like I'm gonna go back and listen to everything they've done. Like, and I'm gonna go see them next time they're in town because the dude was so great. Yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't take much to kind of make like a lifelong fan, I think, yeah. out of the interviewer. There's some people that make it a habit to just be good. And for some people, it's professional. And some people, it's personal. I think Toby and I just have this entertainer beyond musician. It's just entertainer. It's not really comedian, but it's like I can't let anybody down. Like mm -hmm. I, I had to humiliate myself or make a joke or do something to make this 
fun. <laughs> like yeah. I feel too bad if it gets boring in here. And that I feel that way at a party or anywhere, you know. But musicians oh, yeah. a lot of times don't have that maybe level of insecurity about it that maybe I don't know you know what I mean but that is like yeah. it's just like you got to entertain people well also musicians always think cred I'm cred yeah. they think it's like oh I'm it's the same as selling out or something I'm doing this ad thing now or this publicity yeah. my, my music should stand on its own or something like that you know and, and at the same time still they want the sales they do want the fame they do want you know people to ask them questions and be into them but it just happens that way there's you know something who about I really that. like is as a, a different slightly different breed than Toby and I is I would say Shane um, told and JT from Hawthorne Heights. They operate their business and understand to be entertaining, engaging, but they're professional at that. Yeah. Like, like me and Toby are personally motivated to, I don't know, entertain whoever's in front of us, I guess. But they are like these uh, archetype of like these guys that run these bands that are like shopkeepers. Like they own it. They run the merch. They'll be there. They're always smiling. They're always taking care of the person. And it's like it's almost like a discipline of professionalism in their yeah. way, way about them. But they both do a good yeah, they job. They have their hands in everything. Yeah, and include, but yeah. they always are aware to be entertaining or engage the fan or whatever. Which is, is why Shane's lead singer center on yeah, podcast is good. probably one of the best ones out, out of any yeah. musicians I know. His kills, and yeah. he does, and he does a really good job. I mean, he's, I mean, he just is really into it. JT probably could do that too if he wanted, but he just, mm-hmm. I don't think he'd want to do that. But it, yeah, you guys quite the, like that of Shane, but still very professional with his manner. His he delivers everything professionally yeah. in character as the singer of the band always you know in a good way well and I, I remember matt having the last time you were on godspeed that uh we talked about this idea that you know if you spend an extra 30 seconds with a fan or mention hey that's a great t-shirt and especially when you know they're a giant emory fan that that person remembers like they're going to remember that for a long time yeah but, but i'm it, really paranoid that they would read that as insincere if i were to do mm. it on purpose and i i really feel oh. that i betray that like i really feel that i'm transparent in the way that people yeah read me when I, I can't be fake. Like, it's a liability well, of mine. I can't schmooze or else people yeah. will know I'm schmoozing and then they'll think I'm a phony. I, th- I think it's, I, I just love the idea that it's it's very delicate in either direction. So you mm-hmm. you it could is. say that and the kid takes that home and it's like, oh man, Matt from Emory likes my shirt. Like, I'll tell people that. Whereas if you snub them, yeah. uh, it's it's forever Matt from Emory is a jerk. Like, it, yeah. it can just one degree either direction. Right. Yeah, well, I hate that feeling where I could be fake to somebody and it would be way better for everybody. I fucking yeah, hate that reality. And as a result, I'm sure a lot of fans think I was shitty. <laughs> <laughs> I've joined, uh, to, to promote the book, I joined all these Facebook groups that are like punk rock forever and emo kids, all this stuff. And there's so many of those, like, you know, who have you met that's great? Or who have you met that sucks? And it's always, you know, it's, it's always like a mixed bag for the most part. If someone throws up there, hey, Shane told, I, I saw him once and he didn't give me the time of day. You, when it's someone you know a little better, you want to be like, people just have bad days, man. Yeah, like, right. like, But that kid took, will take that forever. It's forever, yeah. Yeah, yeah no it doubt. sucks. Yeah, I like Aaron Gillespie getting hate is one of my favorite scenarios. <laughs> <laughs> it's, my, it's my favorite. I always have a mixed bag with Aaron. He has a bunch. I mean, he 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 gets himself in all kind of trouble like you know but he has plenty of people that think they have bad interaction with him but you know it's there's i put it this way people think 
worse of the interactions they have with him than they should, in my opinion. Yeah. But it's fun. I always laugh at it. I think he attracts somehow, uh, you know, the the bad energy sometimes on accident. Well, you know it's, who does that the best is Aaron Lunsford. Lunsford from yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is the most internet troll. It is so funny. Just, it, uh, they just got announced for Furnace Fest, and uh, he announced it on his page or whatever, and immediately got uh, somebody wrote, uh, well, they'll probably – cancel this so don't get too excited they can't they to cancel <laughs> Aaron goes we didn't cancel all and then and I think Aaron just goes fuck all immediately and I just it was so funny yeah. it got heated immediately and I was like that guy got exactly what he wanted but I mean at, to every any person casually strolling by that Facebook post there yep. they, they just go wait a minute this guy says something, and immediately the drummer from the band responds, fuck off, <laughs> or shut yeah, the fuck so, up, or something like that. That's a hilarious scenario, because one band member and one fan get to have this cathartic rage right. interaction <laughs> that they both find, feel gratified by that simply tarnishes the legacy of the band. Right. As the fuel. <laughs> the, the, the first time I, I met Aaron, and like I had talked, I, we had like emailed back and forth like about book stuff and about the band when I did a I did little bit of press for them, but the first time I met him in person in Portland... I remember being like, I, I want to come talk to you. I want to introduce myself to someone that's talked to you before, talk about book stuff. But I did have the biggest hesitancy of like, if I say the wrong things, just gonna be like, you're an asshole. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, like just, I, I felt so fragile all of a sudden. Like, he could just tear me down. <laughs> but that's what's so funny about that, too. Lunsford, uh, uh, both are Aaron's, but even Gillespie are both just great. They're great to be around. Yeah. They're very funny, yeah. very likable people. It, but it's just that moment. I mean, just you're right. Like, I mean, if you if something catches them, they'll say it something they shouldn't <laughs> or something. Yeah, and then it just that's it. They don't have the no, I'm gonna not say this or whatever because to them it doesn't really matter. They don't think it'd right. be that big of a deal. Just say what you think or believe or you know or whatever. But it just it. Gets them into trouble. I mean, they both have a Larry yeah, David quality to it. Mm. Is, is the way I view it, basically. Like they get themselves into trouble, and you can understand from their point of view how they do, and you just laugh. I just laugh, yeah. laugh at it. Well, uh, there's there's such a like impossible level though that like to to present myself as just a fan. Like there's such an impossible level that we put all of you guys at. Like I I, I have like a I have a distinct memory of like seeing Toby at the Tooth and Nail tour. This was the um, with Amberlynn as the co-headliner. So it must've been like 05, 04. Yeah, probably so, yeah. Uh, but like seeing you like just like pass beyond a curtain, like on your way up to stage and be like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we get to meet Toby or Steven? Like, wouldn't that be so nuts? And just thinking like, realizing now as an adult, I think adult fan and adult working in the industry was more just like, I would have, yeah, I just assumed everyone was like amazing, insightful the most polite people ever. Right. And Stephen, honest, Stephen Christian is, I will say. <laughs> and I've always had great, you know, pretty good interactions with you, of course, Toby. But yeah, I just, I realized how ridiculous that level as fans that we put you guys at. It yeah, just, I can remember being at, uh, there was a, there was a Cornerstone, California. There was, I think, one time, I think it was Cornerstone, California. That sounds wrong, but I believe that was right. We did it. I, I time. Yeah, it was yeah, Cornerstone, California. And I can remember uh, after our set, uh, somebody was smoking and Dave, our drummer, bummed a cigarette. And then it was probably 50 feet away on the other side of the fence. This kid goes, oh, you're smoking, man? That's God. <laughs> I thought you were a Christian or something. And I was just like, I just got mad. And I was like, yeah. dude, get out of here. What is wrong with you? Why would you? Why would you say something like that? It just got. It doesn't. I mean, don't you understand? And then, and I yelled at him, or whatever. And he laid, probably hated my guts. And then I left, and I thought, well, he thought 
this is a Christian band because my all I've ever known is Christianity. I got to come to this show and now I see them smoking and I was like that that's something that I thought too. I can remember uh, remember people talking about Jackson from Slick Shoes uh, smoking and I was like, ooh, golly, that's yeah. great. You know, they, they, like there's that the whole Christian world is a little bit tougher too because yeah. you're supposed to be proclaiming Christ and all you do and you you're behind a microphone, you should be talking about God and you should be living your life. So if you do right. anything beneath that, well, people just won't immediately crush you on it. Right. right. And there's a bad and, link between the you know the the Christianity and pastors and musicians and celebrity worship. There's a big crossover with all that, obviously. Yeah, the fact that that you like that Dave had to meet that kid's standards, which who knows what yeah. that kid's standards are, right? But that but that there seems to be a through line of well, I know for sure that they don't smoke. I know for sure that Christians don't drink. Like that, there's at least five things you don't do, whatever it is. I, if I see that, what a disappointment, right? I mean, I, I worked at Christian publications where we had done the interview, we were getting ready to print, and it was like, uh, you know, I heard that he cheated, like not. Not even that intense. I heard that he's going through a divorce and there might have been some infidelity. Like stuff where it was like, this is so personal. Why are we talking about this? And we're going to withhold coverage because this thing might like just it's it's so it's super asinine. It's really sad. I don't know if that's I don't feel like that's the case anymore. Or maybe I just don't. Yeah, I think it's loosened up a good bit. But I mean, we've told the story a bunch of times, but just talking about being interviewed. Dave was interviewed with uh, Joey from Amberlynn and the person asked him what what is the CD last played in your car or whatever? And Joey said something, you know, I don't know, some yeah. whatever he said. Jeremy uh, Camp. Yeah. No, he probably said some cool band <laughs> He would have said something cool from yeah. the era uh, before. But yeah, yeah, some, you know, uh, whoever it was. Uh, I'm trying to think of a cool band. What's the cool band that Joey from Amberlynn would? They would say something like Depeche Mode or something yeah. 80s that, w- you know, yeah. would. Something established. Right. Something yeah. like that. Uh, what's the, I was trying to think of the guy. Who's the guy that everybody loves? This British and uh, Morrissey. Yeah, Morrissey. Morrissey. They would probably yeah. said Morrissey or something like that. Dave said Two Live Crew, uh, <laughs> me so horny, <laughs> me so and, horny. And so that came out. That was in an interview, and we got this offer to play a festival in Canada, and we accepted it. And we were uh, going like in a month or so, maybe it was two months away. And I got a call. I you, got a call. You left out a key detail of what? the festival. It was it was the most we've ever been paid to play a festival. Yeah, yeah. Oh. At that <laughs> time, it was the highest single offer we'd ever had. It's like eleven or fifteen thousand dollars. It was something. Yeah, it was yeah, fifteen it was, or more. Yeah. yeah, it was something like oh. that big for us at the time. And uh, the the head of the festival. That's what I understand. How did they call me? We had booking agents and stuff. Oh, I think it was maybe we were working with the Vonge. And she probably said, "Hey, maybe you can work this out. He, you know, maybe you can tell him what happened." And I had to tell him, "Listen, Dave just was kind of joking, that, but the song isn't a big deal. I mean, we we are Christians. We're not going to play me so horny when we come out on stage. You know, it doesn't matter." He goes, "No, I'm sorry. The fact that y'all would allow that to be printed, we're not going to let you." And they canceled us, and we lost that money. Wow. We did not go to the festival or anything. It was that serious and yeah. printed in a, you know, it might have been on the internet. I guess it must have been on the internet at that point. They just but found, they just found, found the it. article where that was in yeah. it. That yeah. was part of the character. And I was like, oh, a, a single joke, uh, just, yeah. your, even if it was true, yeah. it was made, it was said to be funny after whatever yeah. Joey had said, serious, you know, and that was it. That was it. And that's how serious it was. I mean, you, you could, yeah. you would lose. Well, and even so, that it was your fault that you allowed it to be printed. Right. Like, you have you have no hand on that. Right. Not at all. Yeah, I, I remember that story, and it's it's sad, man. Like I remember, 
speaking of speaking earlier of Jesus Freak, I remember finding a website when I was younger, like trying to find like new Christian bands and stuff and finding a site that was like, you shouldn't listen to DC Talk and, and thinking like, these are the safe bands, DC Talk, Newsboys, yeah. all that. Uh, you shouldn't listen to DC Talk because somebody that worked on a ner- on Smells Like Teen Spirit worked on the Jesus Freak video. <laughs> like that, like that, that level of contamination, yeah, contamination wasn't right. wasn't cool. Yeah, and to just yeah. think of how like light years away we are from that now is cool. awesome. All right, folks, life is kind of returning back to normal. I know there's variants, but still, it feels like life's kind of maybe going to be okay. Maybe. But I'll tell you one thing that is okay, and that's uh, stamps.com. And, and here's why. Uh, the summer, like I said, it's been showing uh, you know some signs of life. You're getting back to enjoying a little bit of the pleasures and all that stuff. Do you really want to go back to the post office when you can just do everything from your house? I mean, seriously, you can mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer. You can send letters. You can ship packages. And guess what else? You can pay less, a lot less with discounted rates uh, from USPS and UPS. I'm telling you, Stamps.com is awesome. It brings the same U.S. Postal and UPS shipping services right to your computer. They make it easy for small businesses to mail and ship without needing to make that trip to the post office. Print official U.S. postage and shipping labels. I do that all the time. I I do it for Mary Supply. We do it for Emory. We do it for Back Christian, all of that stuff. You can... uh, Print the official U.S. postage and shipping labels 24-7 without having to leave your desk or buy any fancy equipment. All you need is your computer and a standard printer. Once your mail is ready, just schedule or uh, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. It's that simple. I often just put mine in my mailbox to put up the little red flag. Everything's good. Stamps.com is a no-brainer. Seriously, saving nearly 1 million small business owners like you, like me, time and money. So uh, stop wasting time going to the post office and go to stamps.com instead. There's no risk. And with our promo code BADCHRISTIAN, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale, no long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BADCHRISTIAN. That's stamps.com, promo code BADCHRISTIAN. Stamps.com, never go to the post office again. It's a weird thing. I think that one of the most fascinating things about the scene, and I don't have a good perspective of it because I just think the scene is just whatever this thing from my point of view is, but like the idea that there's Christian music that we've been associated with and participated in that kind of breaks the norm, and it starts at Dashboard really is involved yeah. in that to where it touches the mainstream and isn't shitty. You know, and you get to the point where there's Christian bands like Under Oath and Norma Jean that are cutting through and then being copied and all those kinds of things. Um, but it comes out of this Christianity thing. Um, and then it turns, and from my point of view, then it turns into this indie podcasting and other alternative DIY kind of, there's always an underground or a grunge vibe. There's always that thread going. And there's a part of it where it was, there's a Christian scene that wasn't a joke that just the the farther and farther time gets away from it that just seems more and more significant uh to me is that and i thought uh, in your book the just the preface story or the foreword i don't know what you call it there um it just ties up the whole thing of how complicated it is because you talk about going on tour and what it's like the fact that you go it's the most low low down dirty Walmart environment possible, but then there's a list, a list people and fancy things. And then you find yourself in the spiritual super 
weirdness and fakeness, mm-hmm. but also power, but also realness or whatever. Yeah. I was wondering if you just tell us that story at the beginning. Uh, yeah. I thought it was so funny that you said uh, we were talking about uh, you were talking about Chad Johnson. You said he's Jesus to a lot of people. And, and, you know, you reacted to that, like, and that really is yeah. true, that Chad, the way Chad Johnson is so charismatic. And then you start talking about Tommy Green. And it's like, I need to think about preachers and, you know, all this blurs together for me in ways that I don't even know sure. how to untangle. And I think that's partly a lot of what we do here is process those things out loud. But t- can you tell us that story of, of that, the, conf- the confusion of all that for you and yeah. the, the healing and all those things? <laughs> yeah, I'll try to keep it. I'll try to make it succinct. But yeah, I was on tour with the band Fall Star, who they're they're on Face Down now, um, and most of my touring experiences with them. But yeah, they they did this three day tour called The Wake. Chad was on it, and at the time, Come and Live was just starting up, which is Chad's sort of. Now it's something totally different. At the time, it was, can we do a record label that gives away music for free? Basically, that's the, the short story. Um, and I had never, I actually had not heard, I hadn't heard of Sleeping Giant at the time. I didn't know what Tommy was all about. And pretty much after the show, Tommy was like, if anyone needs any prayer, any healing, um, come down to the center and, you know, we'll pray. And I just thought, I've, I've gone to church my whole life. We'll, we'll pray for stuff. And that, that's nice. That's a cool thing that they do. Uh, but instead it was like, who's got an injury? Who's sick? Well, like this will be healed and done with right now, which was already, I mean, that enough was charismatic of just like, all right, like that's, you know, I've, I've heard about this, but then it became like, uh, uh, we're going to pray. And then I'm going to ask you like, how, how is your knee from a scale of one to 10 now that we pray? And as soon as it became like a measuring system, I remember, I just remember being like, uh, what's he going to do when it's not healed? Yeah. Because that, that doesn't happen. You don't get healed right now. You just, you just pray for the best. You just pray for like a speedy recovery and right. that's it. Uh, but Chad at the time, Chad and Tommy were just so confident that it was like, no, this is going to get done right now. And it was a thing, you know, where the Chad and Tommy both had their hands on somebody and then whoever was still left, it was just bands loading out and stuff. Whoever was still left was like putting hands on shoulders and just doing the whole church thing. And the, the band I was with all star, like we were all there in that circle. We were all just kind of looking at each other. Like, is this like, do they think this is going to happen right now? And is it going to happen right now? Like, uh, so after a while, I, I looked around and people started taking their hands off, especially the dudes in the band. And I was like, yeah, I don't like, and then I, I remember just having this thought of like, I don't really think this is going to work. So should I take my hand off because right. I'm doubting and it's, yeah, it's going <laughs> to mess you. You're yeah. causing the yeah. healing to not work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, and that's later. Everybody was like, I kind of did that too, because I was more of just like, I don't know. So maybe I shouldn't have this like, like doubting hand in the pot. Right. Uh, so, but at the same time, like, uh, and again, I can't, to this day, can't explain it. Like, I, I think, I think healings happen, like whether it did or not, like people, you know, the a girl on crutches jumped up and was fine. There was a, a very weird, like, possession type thing that might have happened. See, also- that one comes up over and over again. Like, if you yeah. heard that, like, it happens. I mean, there's the stories of me without you and that, under the tent at Cornerstone. And, you yeah. know, I've heard those. I'm not calling them myths. I'm just sure. saying yeah. those, those things occur in this world i mean it was it was really just a lot of weird stuff that i had never seen i don't even think i'd really heard about it outside of like the bible really i i but it just it's it's through i mean we got back in the van that night just threw everyone into this tailspin of like you know we are out here because we believe in this thing yet we're doubting like when we see it like how do you reconcile that thing 
Well, you said that, that then the sleeping giant guitar player had a black eye from that show. And he, yeah. said he, he says he reports his pain out of eight, and then they prayed until it was a zero. Yeah, yeah. It was like the, they were doing the. I know they were doing the. They were doing a one to ten thing each time, and he, I, I can see him in my mind. He was like blinking his eye, and he's like, eh, "It's five. Keep going. All right, let's keep going." <laughs> and and like I, I, to this day, I still don't. I still don't know. Like I don't. I don't know what happened. I don't know what to think about it. I've talked to Chad a million times since then and had this conversation. The nice thing was that the first time years later that I talked to Chad. I thought Chad would be like, well, here's what happened. And here, you know, like, here's all this wisdom. And he was like, I have no idea what happened. I had never done that before. Like Tommy was so confident. I was just faking it. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> and so, yeah, I love that he was that honest, but I've, I also know he's done stuff like that since then. So healing is a tough one though. Like, I mean, like you yeah. said, it, there, there are, I believe that there are miracles, and I believe that somebody mm-hmm. can be healed. I know for a fact that, that, that there are true stories of people had cancer, and then they went back, and it was gone. You know, I mean, right. that stuff. But it, in the moment, it feels like so much pressure, and I just can't yeah. do that. It feels but, like if this doesn't happen, then you have to question God. Well, and there was a lot of, uh, I, I later I remember there was a lot of sort of like, if you go into it with a backup plan, then it's not going to work. It was a lot of, a lot of fail safes. Yeah. It was like, if you go into it, like this might not work. I better know what to say when it doesn't work. Then the original story or the original plan isn't going to work. And I was like, ah, all this blows my mind. And I have no idea if this is legit. I'll make a counter argument of why it could be, you know, something to consider. First of all, Tommy's extremely charismatic. I mean, if you talk about a charisma person, I mean, he, he has every bit of that aura. Um, that, but it's a, but it doesn't, even if you go placebo as effective, it still Mm -hmm. can be effective in that package. And if you were ever going to have a mind shift that impacted you after some spiritual high of a concert overlaid with your faith, where you had been all like enraptured in that collective effervescence moment that we could create at a rock concert where the love of God is infused in spirit filled hardcore and the name of Jesus is proclaimed. If there was a time that you could actually get a new mindset because somebody who had enough faith and belief in you that would be win that would be i'm just saying like even if it's a mindset change that had an impact on a person and they were able to have some type of mental explanatory breakthrough that would be the situation and when what you like you take psychedelics or something Mm -hmm. like it's, it's it's not that different i mean it's it i think that the the thing we do at its best is some kind of spiritual thing you know, yeah. it's like, you know, but in a good way and not a manipulative. It's, and if it per- becomes perverted, that becomes pretty perverse pretty quickly. So it's like yeah. kind of freaky. What are the borders of that collective thing that could be generated, that, that raw power that everybody can participate in? It is real. There's something happening. Yeah. And at the, and at the time, like, I mean, I've had many talks with Tommy since then, too, where to, I, I always felt like his attitude towards that stuff was just like, yeah, of course, of course, that's the thing. Like, what's what's your question? Like yeah, why? Are, right. Yeah, like like it well, didn't. It I say, didn't well, come. hold up. I don't know. That, I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't go with Tommy all the way. All that. Like <laughs> it's just so. Like that's what I'm saying. The fact that he's so charismatic is mm-hmm. why you had to watch out. I'm not saying anything about him. I'm just saying, sure. If that that's powerful, that somebody yeah. can be so confident. I mean, especially yeah. in like a you know the the whole the do do you not think that the culture that is emo 
and I mean, isn't our culture one of people who have insecurities in need of confidence? Like, isn't that part of our yeah. aesthetic as a subculture, oh, you know, the emo, yeah. the heart support, the, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Like the, yeah. uh, to write love on her arms. Yeah. You know, that's part of our demographic. <laughs> you know, people say our music saves their life all the time. It's like, well, hang on. I get, I mean. It, man, maybe it did or something in some yeah. way, but not in a way that like it's like the territory is kind of weird. All of it. Yeah, that's that's interesting because if if a kid comes to you and says, "Hey, this song saved my life because I got this and this from it," and you're like, "Well, that's not even what it's about." <laughs> yeah, right. but that doesn't mean that is that doesn't mean that's not true for for them sure. in some way. I mean, you know, like if you have a powerful experience at church with the worship band and it changed mm-hmm. your life, you had it, you had the experience. Yeah. I mean, those people are idiots or is a fake or yeah. I don't know, but who knows? But you have the experience you have with the whatever it is. Yeah. So. Well, and I think that in in writing this, like I I discovered how much of my faith stuff is tied to obviously is tied to music in this culture that we're talking about, but how dangerous that can be too. Yeah. I mean, we we can sit here and laugh about being into DC talk and newsboys, but at the time it was like this was is what got me excited about church right. and about reading the Bible and stuff. And I'll you know I can say that today about Sleeping Giant or for today or whatever so it's a, that thing is always going to change so i always think should i tie something that's so serious and personal to like a fad to something that i'm not going to be into 10 years from now right i think i think the thing like even going back with healing or whatever the because uh this was it was this was a little bit before uh, we parted ways with joey on this podcast but we mm-hmm. there was they were doing healings at the church that i used to work at um and i just the problem with that certainty, like Tommy is so certain, and I actually do believe him. I believe he believes it. It's not he's not some televangelist that has a uh, something in his ear. He's hanging but out. He'd be at, a, he would make a great one. He would. Oh yeah, he would <laughs> oh, yell yeah. at it. But yeah. but but I'm saying he's he doesn't have a you know a teleprompter or something in his ear saying yeah. this person's from this and and he's af- it's after a show he's spending his own time because he wants to believe and wants to heal and all that stuff, mm-hmm. but. The, those situations put me in a bad spot because that certainty, I always have to counter with, well, what about my reservations? Are they just, uh, is it just doubt? My reservations right. are only doubt. Is it only weakness in my belief and my faith? It, that's not true either. My, my right. doubts, because I mean, the, sometimes your doubts are really powerful and helpful. When you have a doubt about something, sometimes it saves your life or, mm-hmm. or you know, it helps you do some other stuff too. So that yeah. that's where that certainty sometimes gets me into bad position because I go, well, I'm not going to go here because I don't have to or should. I don't, I, I don't just have to. And I might yeah. because maybe I want to believe, but uh, yeah. I, I get the, I get to reserve the right to choose. Wait a minute. Uh, yeah. Either could happen here. Cause that's the thing. Either could happen in that moment. Like you said, uh, I mean, the guy had a black eye now it's zero, but I mean, it, is it maybe it just started feeling better or maybe he just right. thought it felt better or what, you know? <laughs> and, and so it is better though. Yeah, it is better. I, so there is some truth to it, but when, when this stuff was happening, I would come home and I'd, I'd hang out with friends that weren't, weren't in, in the music industry at all. And I would tell, like, try to relate these stories of just like this crazy thing happened. Let me try to explain. Yeah. And I have, I have one really, really close friend of mine where every time a story like that would end, he'd be like, have you ever seen a limb regrow? Right. Like, no. And he's like, well, let me know. Right. <laughs> well, that was the other but, thing. That's what I was going to say about when I, why I mentioned Joey with churches and not just specifically this church in general churches, uh, 
I don't. The thing I don't like about it is there'll there'll be a healing night, and you'll hear about these miracles. And mm-hmm. I, I want to believe, and some of them are true, but then it just kind of disappears. Like if yeah. if there was real data collected on people being healed, then wouldn't we really try to do that? Because I mean, there, there's a lot of bad shit in people's lives, right. and if you could actually get healed by by your faith, then wouldn't we? Why can't we collect the data and go, wait, here's what you got to do. I mean, what, couldn't we perfect right. it if it's real? But that's Make that's progress. where it gets all murky. Like, wait yep. a minute. There was a big healing uh, last year, and those people are where now? And they're okay yeah. or not? Or, you know, like, I yeah. mean, I don't I, know. I have a friend, too, who just constantly says, why isn't this on video? Why is why have I never seen a YouTube video that's yeah. something that's undeniable? I'm like, right. yeah. Totally it's like right. the is it Bethel that has the gold that fell from the ceiling or something? You know, one of those churches, oh, that, you know, stuff stuff yeah. like that. You're like, yeah. I mean, I don't know why. I, why did I mean? What does that mean if gold starts falling from the sky? Right? Is that yeah? <laughs> is that in the Bible? I don't. I, right. yeah, I don't could, think so. Like, you, it's a cool thing. Yeah. Could you let a, a guy with his, you know his wife's dying and they have small kids? Can you just well, what, let's give her the gold? Can you just heal her or something like that? You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. So you, the problem is, I think people want to believe so strongly that you can be healed, but everybody knows you're still going to die. First of all, right. So right. even with their healing, you're still headed towards death, and the yeah. worst, the worst thing that you know that can happen to you that will <laughs> end this life. Yeah. Um, and then I think too, it, it, I think it might be beneficial that you could be mad at God. Or angry, or you do lose something, and you go, "Why, mm-hmm. God? Yeah. Why, why, why?" You know, like that. Those, even though it hurts like hell, and it's mm-hmm. it's the worst thing. Some of that causes you to pursue God as well, and maybe oh, yeah. incre- potentially increase your faith because you should you should be able to ask God those questions. Yeah, I think that was a big revelation for me, and and you guys were. I think the podcast was a part of that. Being okay with being angry at God, and not, you know. It's, it's just, I feel like we were just taught to say like, there's a plan, don't right. worry. And it's like, I, you can be mad whether, whether or not, I don't think God's up there like, whoa, calm down, Toby. You know, you're right. really getting to me. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think that's happening. I, you know, I, I want to believe there's always like a sunny side up, but like, I think there's a lot of good stuff for being angry. I think right. it's, I think it's totally fine. What do you see as the through line between the underground, you know, music scene into mm-hmm. podcasting because I mean you've gone through both cycles just as we have in some parallel ways of course but you know like it's like almost like I think of it as when I was real little there was skateboarders and they could get sponsored They're like oh yeah. and then it's like there's a band and they can get signed yeah. you know and then I guess and then right. eventually there's podcasts and you can get advertisers or a Patreon or something <laughs> you know it's like you yeah. you can get there's a new thing that people on their own can make it happen like mm-hmm. something's in common with it to me but how do you see them as tying together oh man i've been in this deconstruction scene and the yeah. diy music scene both that bleed into rest of culture yeah i think there's probably something related to like i think when i figured out that i couldn't play an instrument and i wasn't going to be involved in that way that like lyrics really took over that I was, I was so into lyrics. I was so into the poetry of that. And it was, I mean, I can remember hearing dashboard at 14, having not dated a girl yet and being like, I kind of can't wait for a girl to like break my heart because I, I because I want to identify with these songs more. Yeah. Like yeah. it's such a silly thing. But, uh, so I think, I don't know, for, for me, at least the through line was how can I be closer to these bands? How can I relate more? And then I think it just became, 
what's and what's the best way to relate or what's the best way to i want to i want to promote these bands like even if i don't have a big audience or numbers or whatever can i still promote these bands and what a privilege it is to have a conversation where i can sit with chris caraba and ask whatever i want having known that there's like 15 20 years worth of like pouring over lyrics and listening to listening to his music and be able to say i i have all this research i have all this knowledge uh can i dive deeper and will you allow that yeah, but you do more than than just music stuff. You go in podcasting, but you're also in the, this whole deconstruction scene, mm-hmm. and and talk to Rob Bell and Pete Holmes. So there's two more name yeah. drops. So tell us about you know how does that <laughs> how does Chris Caraba, Pete Holmes, yeah, and relate. Rob Bell, how does this whole space relate? Yeah, I I don't I don't, I don't know if it does. Um, I think <laughs> I think in some ways I. I think with the podcast that I do now with Godspeed, I just, I, I wanted to leave that open. I, I knew that I had a strength in music. I knew I'd already spent 10 plus years doing that. And then I hoped I could springboard that to, uh, you know, Hey, yeah, I do talk to these bands and maybe, maybe being able to say, Hey, Pete Holmes, I talked to Switchfoot. This is a Grammy winning band. Uh, can I find any connection here? Right. And Pete, Pete Holmes would be an easy one as far as what we're talking about. Cause he does talk about faith so much. And, yeah. And he's real a, overlapping too, but I just, I mean, yeah. those intersections of all that is fascinating. Oh, Plus, yeah. have you heard Rob Bell's album? <laughs> uh, have you heard it? You got to hear it. I've it's, heard about twenty seconds of it. <laughs> I haven't heard it. Toby, you got to hear it. You really? Hear it. I wish you could play it right now. <laughs> well, I'm. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. But it's in the category of oddball music, <laughs> really, like REM or something. Wow. You know, yeah. it sounds like REM from the '90s or something. Yeah, that, yeah, or yeah. they might be giants or something weird. But it's kind of, it's neat. I yeah. mean, it's, it's a neat 90s vibe or something to it. Yeah. It's funny. Well, and there's a weird overlap there, too. I mean, like, uh, either whether it was these band guys becoming pastors or learning that someone like Rob Bell used to be in bands. Like, it's, it's funny how there's there's almost never not a disconnect between those two worlds. Right. Yeah. And the evangelism is part of it. Like, um, the big events, like, I think the spiritual events, like a, a tent revival and a Christian music festivals pretty similar, right? You know, like oh the, yeah, the skill or they yeah. or they say you know how right. Sam Kennison was a pastor and then could control a comedy club, yeah, yeah. like same thing, right? Yeah. Well, I think that uh, yeah, I think that after diving into like Pete Holmes's podcast and, and learning a lot from him, that yeah, that there's a lot of overlap, and that there's a lot to comedy that you could tag as spiritual, like. I don't know. I guess not to overreach it, but you're right. It's, it's the command of the crowd. And I, now that I've seen more comedians and interviewed more comedians, when I go to hear like a pastor talk or go to church or whatever, yeah. there is a bit of that. Like, oh, I see, I know what he's doing. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good move. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you you get it from doing a lot of podcasting. You can, you know, if you just, if you get into analyzing one speech as a habit, podcasting is yeah. a good way to get reps of that. But you know, for yeah. me, it's always analyzed speech. It's kind of like I think of music, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about bass drum patterns. I'm talking about snare drums, mm-hmm. and how many milliseconds late, and out of tune this is, and what's supposed to be. And then yeah. I'm listening to Mark Driscoll talk for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> and then I'm listening to these comedians. I'm listening to podcasters, and it's like it all kind of blurs together. It's like an audio analysis, yeah. and it, like trying to read people's intent and notice patterns yeah. and stuff like that. But that, but you can tell yeah. the things that hold a, people's attention. You oh know, yeah, I have my own tricks for holding attention too. It's just you know, yeah, whatever I they think, are. I think Rob Bell's probably way up. To, like after I think after interviewing him a few times and then watching, like going back and watching a speech that he did, I was like, no, I see, I see the the creases now, or I see the the connecting parts now. Like 
yeah. making a point and then being and then being like because I made that point. Like he'll he'll do that slow, slow you down, reminder, and I'm like, got it. Yeah. Yep, yeah. that's in there now. And I'm like, that's yeah. that's amazing. That's genius. Yeah, he's he's. You think he's on the high list of of just like magnetic communicators? I think so. I think. Like when I was younger, I would read them and just be like, this, this guy's looking at stuff from like just one degree to the left. And because he's, he's taken that one step, I'm getting it in a different way. And I, I know that he gets like a ton of shit. And I, I remember having them on the first time I emailed you and I was like, I was like, we got this really big guest coming up and we're not a big podcast. Like, what, do you have any suggestions for like, should we tease it? Should we blah, blah, you know, like just really didn't know what I was doing. And I think, I, I think you just said like, ah, oh, you know, just do this. And, uh, but it was a little bit more like, and how did you get him? And I, I don't know if you, that's been like a get or like a thing you guys have wanted to have, but it said, it sounds like for some reason there's been we like a, had him, but Toby and Joey had a, um, a experience with him. Was it a powerful experience, Toby? Like they invited us to a Rob Bell event at just yeah. cause we're influencers in the space or something. Sure. And so they got, to, and it was in, it was in North Carolina or South Carolina or somewhere. So they went like to a VIP of that. Do you, I, do you what was that? Yeah. Do you find him very powerful like that? Toby? Yeah. Joey and I went up to Raleigh from Charleston and saw him and uh, we got to go do the backstage and do, it was like, a, I guess it was like a VIP type event where just a, mm-hmm. a few people came and then we went to the theater. I thought the show or the presentation was really good. Like yeah. it, just because not, not even necessarily that just the material but just the way he presented it, the way he held the 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 crowd. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It, it was it, it's pastoral in a sense with entertainer knows who he's working with knows this is gonna like a com- a comedian knows oh well here comes the punchline they're gonna I'm about to get yeah. a laugh here you know he has all that totally. So I I thought he uh, yeah I thought he was great and yeah we we just never ended up getting him on the podcast. Maybe we probably should still try. Yeah, but you should hook it, hook it, you know, send him our way still. It'd be great to have a <laughs> yeah. conversation oh, yeah. with him. Unless he's avoiding us for whatever reason, which is quite I, reasonable. Many people yeah. do. <laughs> I wouldn't think so. And I, I remember, like, we we were so stoked to have him on, just because Ryan and I, who used to co-host with me, were such big fans. But I remember thinking, like, but like this will be cool, but I would love to hear what Matt and Toby talked to him about almost more, <laughs> almost more than me. Like I can, I can ask all the all the right questions or whatever, but like I kind of want to see somebody push him a little. Toby, bit. what zingers would you have for Rob Bell? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. not, not, I mean, now everything kind of like he was just a little before his time in a yeah. sense. You know what I mean? Like he, like he had this mega church, and he goes, "I'm gonna leave it." And everybody's like, "What are you doing?" And he goes out to California, and everybody thinks, "Oh, is he evil? Is he? He's not Christian he wrote a book, anymore." You know? no hell. He was the first person, one of the first against yeah. hell. Like when I when I read in his book in a Barnes and Noble and picked it up that there was no hell or whatever, I was like, "Oh my god, this yeah, guy's so yeah. he's gone. This guy's done. This guy's yep. so gone. gone. I can't believe it." But I mean, now that's just commonplace, and it's going to get more yeah. and more yeah. in a way. You know what I mean? So I mean, there's not. I don't know if there's zingers, but how'd you uh, <laughs> when you wrote this book? How'd you remember all? <laughs> these stories were you worried like you're gonna have enough stories because you got a million of them it looks like i i was super worried i started i didn't set out to write a book i set out to i was like i need to start writing some of these like you hang out with your buddies and you you reminisce and stuff and you know a friend will tell a story that's like i don't even remember that or that sounds vaguely right. familiar like was i there or do i just remember a photo or something so i started just like i need just for my own memory purposes let's write some of these down uh, but I had, I, thankfully I kept a ton of journals during tour, especially. Oh, that's and good. Dur- yeah. And they, well, and it went from like, you know, you start a journal and, and you're just like, it was a, it was a beautiful sunset this day. And I talked to so-and-so like all these details that it comes down to bullet points of like interviewed Emery, cool night, 
good, good show. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, Oh, well that's not going to be helpful at all. I'll try to, I'll try to remember something off that, but no, my memory is total shit. And hopefully now this book will be a nice, like I can have something physical. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, to so, help them out. So when, when's it coming out? And when, uh, it's out where, today. Where, it's out today. Yeah, nice. out today. Yeah. Which is nuts. I've, uh, I signed my contract with the publisher two, almost two, uh, over two years ago. Oh, so wow. COVID. Yeah. And it's in the end, it's, it's one of those, like, I think I would have rushed it out if yeah. it was all up to me. Uh, obviously COVID didn't help, but they make you go do more revisions than you'd want to do. Is that how it works? Yeah. I got my publisher in a really odd way. Um, there's a thing on Twitter that happens three times a year called pit mad. And it's where author aspiring authors get to pitch their story or their book idea to, uh, literary agents. So I never thought it was like a legit thing, but I did it every year because it was a good way to kind of network and stuff. And that's how I found my publisher. So that was, yeah, it was like May of 2019 and I got the contract. I was on vacation. I got the contract and I remember showing it to friends and I was like, do you think this is legit? Is this like, is this a, is this a spam thing? I was like, I'm not, I don't have to pay any money up front. Like, I think, that, I think that's good. You get a lot of those kind of offers, right? you know, but uh, yeah, so it's been, it's been that long. So I'm glad it's now for sure. I added more stories even during editing and stuff. So I, it's hard for me to say after this long process, if I'll ever write a book again, but it's, <laughs> as you guys know, having like one book out, you're like, that's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. I should just be happy with one. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's a, crazy. it's a struggle to do anything, but it's means something that you're in the field as a creator with a podcast and written material with your name on it, not just a journalist mm-hmm. or a critic or anything like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. maybe you say you started with wanting to play the guitar or something, but either way mm-hmm. you've been involved in criticism. And I don't mean that in the negative way, but like that's the counterpart to the, untethered art there's got to be journalism and criticism and coverage and publicity mm-hmm. right and then you've been doing that and then podcasting a godspeed podcast and staying involved in the you know this whole scene for whatever it is and have stuff out still at this age after this time so that in itself is achievement that you know is quite rare to be in the same world yeah. contributing over the long haul with longevity i think is is notable always yeah i think i think part of the the cool thing of it of doing all the marketing for it and and doing the editing too was just realizing how many how many things came full circle. I don't I don't know how much time we got we got left, but there were so many stories that I wanted to include that felt like I made a goal in college. Or if you would have told me when I was seventeen I'd be doing this or that, like being, for example, a huge MXPS. Yeah, let's fan. do some name. Let's go. How many name drop? <laughs> let's let, let's get you get in some name drops that, and we, we won't even cover the whole story. So it'll be for the book or for future yeah. books or podcasts. But yeah, give me Mike Herrera. Give me Kevin Bacon. Give me it all. Oh yeah, uh, no. So yeah, Mike. I mean, again, like a lot. I feel like a lot of these name drops, the average person on the street isn't going to know Mike Herrera. Let's say, um, but you know, they were one of the, they were the, fir- one of the first bands I was ever totally obsessed with where it was like, Christian's going to have tattoos. Are you kidding me? Right. Like they can wear these t-shirts. They can have this cool hair. Like I didn't, I didn't know this world was open to me. So fantastic. Same with somebody like POD. Um, but then fast forward to, you know, years later and I'm sitting in Mike's kitchen on the Mike Herrera hour, just totally nervous and just enjoying the fact that I, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of us reach that point and a lot of writers too reach that point of like, yeah, well, I put the work in. So like I deserve to be here or whatever. I was like, I want to embrace that fan a little bit more. Like I, I, I want to be excited to be sitting here like, holy shit, this is weird. 
Like I'm looking, you know, I'd interviewed Mike a ton of times over the years, but like he, he, he's asking me questions. He's asking me weird things about alternate realities for some reason. Um, I know you guys have done his show, but yeah, all over the place. But just, just to be like, I'm sitting here in his kitchen. There's gold records of slowly going the way the Buffalo right next to me. Like right. what to, to just know that you, you make a goal or you think I never would have thought this at this age. And here we are for someone who, who doubts themselves a lot and doubts their entire career. Those are the things where you're just like, Nope, like this is facts. That's <laughs> cool. Yeah. These are facts that are happening. What'd you do with Kevin Bacon? I was writing for Adobe radio who did a lot at the time, did a ton of articles and stuff. And, uh, he's got, he's got a band called the bacon yeah. brothers yeah. yeah, with his brother, Michael. <laughs> and, um, I, I have never shied. Away, I mean, because there's, there's nothing to lose. I've never shied away from asking whoever for like the podcast or for different magazines I've written for, because the worst you're going to get is a no or no response. Um, so I don't know. I've heard a lot of people say like, I don't want to try for that. I'm too small. And it's like, what is, you're not going to, nothing's going to happen if the, if you get a no. Um, so yeah, it worked out. And I think they they never said like, don't ask them about movies. Like, obviously you don't want to make it all about that. But that was a thing where it was a, it wasn't a separate interview. It was him and Michael on the phone. So then I'm, I'm going, okay, the, one of these people is an A-list actor who's been around forever. Uh, the other one is his brother. His brother. <laughs> <laughs> so Michael, yeah, what's it like playing yeah. gigs? What kind of monitors do you like? Yeah, so you're like really trying to be like, this is okay. This is just a band. This is two brothers in a band. Right. For, forget that this guy's like an amazing actor. Um, it, that that was one where it was like it was definitely surreal and really cool to do. But I, both their answers, I feel like for a lot for most of it, felt pretty flat. So of course, then I'm just like. <laughs> Okay, like taking a big, a big gulp. Like, <laughs> all right, I think you, I don't, I think you hate me. <laughs> That's funny. Have you seen Billy Bob Thornton lose it on when on those kind of interviews? Oh yeah. No, I love watching those like interviews oh, yeah. gone wrong. He goes really mad if he's doing something with his band and you ask him about his, anything other than the band. He gets super. Oh mad. really? Oh, <laughs> he, he gets, gets really mad. Band, you know. Were you guys ever tight with uh, my children, my bride? Those yeah, guys we did one tour with. Yeah, them. we did a tour with. Yeah. Them. Uh, Joe Langston, he used to play bass for them. Uh, he was good friends with some of Billy Bob's kids. Oh, really? So he, yeah, so he had all these stories about about Billy Bob Thornton and stuff. And I, every time, what's I'd the go nature down, of the stories? Is he's a total weirdo, or he's cool, or what? Oh, yeah, like very cool. Like like Joe awesome. at the time was playing like very like indie country type folk stuff, and so they they got along. But yeah, I was like, anytime I was down in LA, I was like, uh, hanging out with any of uh, Billy Bob's kids. Want to go do something? Go hang out. Uh, <laughs> just so I get name dropped even right. <laughs> it is crazy how many stories you have in here, though. It's wild. I mean, there's a. I mean, you got a lot of chapters with just, and they're just stories. I mean, that's this. It's really cool that you have all this. Like, I mean, it is neat to to have this documented, and that's one of my biggest regrets. Like, I feel like we had all a billion stories, and now they just keep shrinking, shrinking to like <laughs> top ten. Eventually, that's all I'll have. Like, there's ten that we remember, and you know, there's a million yeah. more that we just won't remember. Or yeah. it'll just be gone. Oh but, my you know. gosh! I, yeah, there's can't there's got to be so many experiences that other people would like. It would be a profound experience in somebody's life that I m- forgot. Yeah. Or right. didn't pay attention what was happening, or even appreciate it at all. Yeah. That I mean, well, but, yeah, it's pretty hard to wrestle with that, really. How how small of your career is like Lunsford's book, like The Masters of Rock? Like, is that right. like ten percent? 
Yeah, yeah right. no, that's nothing. That's I mean, like nothing. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, not I don't know what's significant, you know, either. Like when you go back, you go, was it significant that this was a big deal or that I right. had this experience or mm-hmm. was there relationships here that I did? Like you don't know what you didn't value, right? Right. I know I didn't value things right. I know that. I know. I mean, it's still difficult to know what to value day to day. That's right. the hard part. But it was a lot. When I go back over it all in review, there was there's been a lot of potential experiences there that I've had and certainly didn't make the most of or understand what they were at the time, yeah. at least. I think that's the universal feeling that a lot of people would have. But I remember a lot of good ones. and I'm trying to remember more as I go, but I don't think it's, I think the volume of the stories on tour sometimes are so repetitive that they blur together and yeah. it's not even just about being old memory failure or anything. It's just, you know, that sometimes that blurs together or they're so repetitive in nature. You're like, I was at this crazy party with Owen Wilson and was that in <laughs> Hawaii or was that in New York? And was that yeah. went on this record or that record? And it's like, how did that even happen? Like the context to get there was, well, we were drinking in a room and then this happened like right. that's, yeah. that's how every story starts and ends <laughs> and so the, it's really hard to remember which, which well, one's well, which yeah well the other problem too is you remember it's almost like you just remember the punchline like how about yeah, this punchline right, yeah. here's a true punchline and then uh, at the Rainbow Room, Ron Jeremy pulled out his harmonica, harmonica and started playing yeah, Amazing Grace <laughs> but I can't I, that's I mean there's way more to the story but I don't and that's totally. only one of the times we hung out with Ron Jeremy I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's just, uh, it's just crazy. I mean, it just. Was, I'm guessing this was during the, uh, the triple X series with Craig. Well, I went to yep. a thing with Craig and, and hung out with him. And then at least two times when we were just playing in LA, he was there mm-hmm. at the rainbow room and just the neighborhood we were in. And I think Craig brought him to a show one time. And then we went to the rainbow room and sat at a table with him, you know, yeah. one, mm-hmm. one, one, one of those times. I don't even know. But, yeah, it was some, some connection to that. But I think, you know, that's his neighborhood, just where if you play the rock yeah, right. or whatever. He just lives down the street or whatever. And now he might be in prison for the rest of his life. So, yeah. I mean, good God. That's what I'm saying. All the, there's so many stories that it's, it's just wild. So that's why I really appreciate this book. It's, it, it's neat to – because, I mean, all these bands – I mean, especially a, a lot of people that listen to this podcast, maybe the majority, do know these bands. And they, so they that'll be neat for them to see a little bit of behind the scenes or just like you – they kind of live vicariously through you, through this story. Because the people are going to – like you said, yeah. a lot of people feel like they're not worthy or all of a sudden this – they always like this band. All of a sudden they're in the room with them or something. And now what? Yeah. You know, that, I think people are really going to resonate with that. Well, and I, I really went through like, uh, should I tell more negative stories? And I, I, I like, even as I started to compile those, I was like, I'm so thankful I don't have that many negative ones. But I, at the same time, tried to, you know, okay, I'm going to talk about Emery for a chapter or for a section. I want to make sure that the people I know, I want to make sure that Matt or Matt and Toby read that. And there's nothing that's like, hey, this is totally off or I don't want this said or whatever, which you, I don't think you guys would ever do that. But there were a few that when I sent them out to the person, it was like, eh. Let's, let's yeah. not include this. Really? Yeah, people, if you yeah. give them a choice, they yeah. just turn immediately to jello loser idiots. Yeah. yeah. Won't do it. Say any. If, if you say, are you sure you want to say that or have that published? But They'll just say no every time. They'll find a way to yeah. – yeah. that's just the way people are. It's, I think it's yeah. disappointing, but it's true. It's just yeah. easier to say no. Like if somebody goes, hmm, you think you better or you think you better not. Right. right. It's just, <laughs> just easier. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's robs everybody in my yeah, opinion, but whatever. Well, uh, Jameson, yeah. this has been great, man. The book's called Name Dropping, uh, Seeking Creative Truth Through Trendy Altru- uh, Altruism and Punk Rock. 
Jameson Ketchum. Man, I'm I'm excited for you, dude. I know. Uh, Thank you. I, I know this is a long time coming, but I, I, I'm this is going to be really good. So uh, good luck on all your sales and and everybody can just get it the normal places. You got you want to send anybody yeah. anywhere? Just uh, yeah, probably go just, name dropping on Amazon and yeah, book. yeah, yeah. I'll be name dropping on Amazon. I know that uh, Ross. If you guys remember Ross, the intern who was on Jay Leno and a bunch of. He's on like RuPaul's Drag Race, all that stuff. Yeah. Anyways, he has he has a book called Name Dropping as well. Uh, you'll be able to tell the difference. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, yeah, all, the, all the normal stuff, and then uh, at Name Dropping Book Instagram's kind of been the hub lately as well. So awesome! Thank all you right. guys. Yep. Thanks, Jameson. It's good catching up with you, dude. Absolutely. See you guys soon. Hopefully. Thank you.